Welcome to The Opportunity Cost. I'm Stephen Howell. Thanks for joining me today. I hope wherever you are and whatever you're up to, you're living well. Today's episode is less about money specifically and more about dealing with the craziness that comes in everyday life and bridging the worlds of professional and personal growth. Along with the work that I do in my practice, I also have the privilege of writing for some professional outlets sometimes, and recently I did a piece for the Journal of Accountancy on bridging management with mental health and how to live in times of crisis. I wrote it with other CPAs and other business leaders in mind, but I think the practical applications can pretty much extend to all of us when the storms of life come. If you want to read the article itself, you can find it on my website, theopportunitycost.com, or the Journal of Accountancy's website, thejournalofaccountancy.com. But what I want to do today is take the structure of that article and try to extrapolate it to all of us. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's the recurring essential truth that the only constant is change. For most of us, our normal lives have been completely upended at work and at home. Between COVID-19, lockdowns, police brutality, social unrest, economic devastation, and God forbid it's an election year, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of stuff in one calendar year. So for me, and I think a lot of other people who are just living life or leading others, with everything happening in the world, it's so difficult to perform professionally at a high level when it feels like a full-time job just trying to survive the day. From personal experience, I know I can attest, and I'm sure that a lot of you can too, that even in the difficulty of surviving times like these, there is so much reward in making positive changes during these times too. And in my experience, the possibility of making good changes was only made possible by taking care of myself. So the article was about building a bridge between the core concepts of management with key psychological health. But bringing that to all of us, you know, we all manage something. It might not be a business or a department or a team, but even on the minute levels of life, we all have some aspects that we exert some control over in our day-to-day life. So I think no matter what you do or where you are in life, you'll find this useful. For the non-business folks out there, just to provide some frame of reference for a starting point, usually when you talk about business management in a crisis, there are two sides to the coin. The first side of the coin is protecting your downside, which basically means you're trying to do things like protect your revenue, maintain employment when possible, stay solvent. That's just a fancy way of saying pay your bills. And then the flip side of the coin is how to prepare for the eventual recovery, which is making the changes that you need to make to be able to catch the wave when it rises again. So for me, when I hear that paradigm, I think there's a critical piece missing, and that's the piece of personal growth. And to me, that's the thing that makes the difference that actually allows you to make the good decisions. You know, we've all experienced the joy that comes from seeing uh, a harvest from the seeds that we've planted. And we've all experienced the pain and disappointment when some of those seeds failed to take root. So the goal of the original article was to apply some of that elemental, uh, shall we say, humanness to management. With the goal to create something more sustainable for yourself, your employees, your organization, but also just in how you live in everyday life. So I'm going to walk through the three examples of mental health and management that I used for the article but I'm going to bring it out of business speak and try to make it more universal. All right, let's dive in. All right, so the first management concept that I wrote about was strategic positioning 
and I tied it to something called cognitive reframing. A business's strategic position, quote unquote, is basically the foundation of why and how they do what they do. It essentially defines who they are and is the template for how they approach their marketplace, how they view the world around them, and then how they solve the problems that are before them. As consistent as a strategic position needs to be, you know, and really that position is a reflection of values. It's the set of cumulative decisions, but it's important that those be adaptable. Think about a company's strategic position like your own personal value set and the way that you choose to see the world. You know, holding firm to who you are in a storm is important, but you can't allow yourself to be anchored down by something that no longer works. If you're a company, maybe that's a product or a process. And if you're a person, maybe maybe it's thought processes. Maybe it's the way that you view the world. You know, how we see periods of turbulence frames the way that we make decisions. And oftentimes, it's not in the healthiest way. That's part of human nature. So cognitive reframing brings a deliberate process of not just identifying the emotions, the events, the circumstances that we find ourselves in, but it allows us to view them differently. It's a change in perspective. In the midst of a world turned upside down and beset by challenges, we have to see past the problems that are in front of us and the opportunity for evolution that lies beyond it. You know, I mentioned human nature a second ago, and that's because our brains are hardwired to make snap decisions to avoid pain. And oftentimes those snap decisions in the short term do us harm in the long term. You know, behavioral economics has a term for this called hyperbolic discounting, which is a fancy way of saying that without being able to stay emotionally grounded, we can't see the longer game. So we make decisions that prevent our future selves from being where we want to be. So when tough things are happening around us and to us, sometimes it can seem like the universe is out to get us, and we dig in. But cognitive reframing gives us a perspective shift that asks, what if we tried to view this hard season as a nudge, as a gentle offering to grow, to evolve with the changing world rather than just survive in spite of it? You know, in the article I write about, the truth that the companies who often don't survive long-term are the ones who fail to adapt. They dig in their heels. I think we all know a lot of people like that in our life, too. When you can step outside yourself and reframe your circumstances, you're so much more likely to not only honestly assess the situation, but to see a clear path forward and make better decisions. All right, moving on to the second concept I wrote about in the article was about reconnecting with the essentials and coupling that with something called beginner's mind. Really, it's all about going back to the basics. You know, for anyone who suffers from anxiety from time to time knows, when you're in those periods of stress, you're taught to reconnect with your breath to help you find centeredness. You don't take the breath for granted. You try to experience it for the first time. When stuff goes off the rails at the office, Maybe we should try to experience even the basic functions of what we do like it was the first time. You start with the basics and you try to build back from there. That ability to see things with fresh eyes is called beginner's mind, sometimes called Shoshin. And it's all about letting go of preconceived notions and pre-existing patterns of thought. Often our minds are so weighed down 
by what is that we lose the ability to see the possibility of what may lie ahead. In the article I wrote about that reapproaching the routine aspects of work with a fresh mind to allow yourself to explore them with curiosity again. In my experience, working with a lot of other businesses and even in my own business, oftentimes there are countless things that are just taken for granted because they've been that way for a long time. In a business, maybe that's client demographics, partnerships, certain procedures and processes, maybe even the technology that they use. And what I've found is the longer that things are the way they are, the harder it is to change. But curiosity and conscious engagement helps you see out of the trench that you're stuck in. And not just for work, let's apply it to all things in life. You know, a lot of people think that approaching routine elements of life and work with such an openness to change is unnecessarily chaotic. And if you're in a business, it undoes a lot of institutional knowledge and know-how. But rather than it undoing your experience, it actually accentuates your accumulated knowledge because it lets you be unburdened by it. (laughs) I know to some people that might sound ridiculous or dichotomous, but it's true. It's a trained skill. Beginner's mind requires discipline to bring renewal and order and not chaos in your approach to change. So let's think about all the things in life that we might take for granted that might seem routine and then try to explore them with curiosity and engagement again. All right. Lastly, in the article, I talked about working and leading others with emotional intelligence. In your work, your most valuable assets are likely other people, contacts, coworkers, employees, and team members. Life is no different. Relationships are everything. And how you handle personal interaction in times of stress goes a long way to determining success, however you might define that. When times are good and the sense of connectedness is high, that experience binds you together. But when clouds start to form, things become more tenuous and tension begins to mount. In seasons of pressure and instability, the instinct is for people to start looking over their shoulder a little bit more. You start questioning other people's motives and you become more interested in showing individual value over collective strengths. It's a natural reaction built into our evolutionary process. And even if one team member starts taking that attitude, a likely domino effect ensues. And what probably was once a smooth operation is now fraught with interpersonal complication. Building trust and connectedness is a long-term process. Coworkers, employees, friends, hell, even family. You know, tying it back into the themes of business crisis that the article was about. It's true that moments of great heroism and clarity in a crisis do build rapport and trust. But the real work of developing commitment comes from the minutia of everyday interactions. Relationships are built over time, and cultivating a shared purpose and inner team reliance requires ongoing tending. I have a journalist that I really like. His name is Daniel Goleman. Uh, He has done a lot of studies on successful executives. And what he's found is that When you survey them, despite a myriad of other variables and unique characteristics in their own lives and circumstances and personality traits, all successful people tend to have one similar strength, and that's emotional intelligence. These days, emotional intelligence is kind of a catch-all term for lots of stuff, but I think he does a great job breaking it down into five key facets. Self-awareness, self-regulation, 
motivation, empathy, and social skills. And studies will show that if you are high functioning in those areas, you not only boost your overall performance and life contentedness, but it inspires collective goals in the people around you. With everything going on in the world, with pressure being high for all of us, we're all carrying burdens and anxieties that others likely can't see. So what I wrote about in the article about your employees and coworkers, frankly, that extends to everyone in your sphere. Do not be hesitant to show graciousness and understanding. In times like these, fear and anger are contagious, but so too is compassion. You know, emotional intelligence, to be effective in its highest forms, also requires you to be in touch with your own inner world. See if you can point that intelligence inward and show empathy to yourself in times of stress. That makes it easier to show it to others. So I encourage you to build deeper connections with the people in your life, professionally and personally. You know, to be honest, this was an interesting article to write, I think, for any people like myself who are in the technical aspects of management every day. A lot of the resources that we come across makes management seem like a purely technical enterprise. And then if you're outside of management, it seems like a lot of management is overly touchy-feely. And what is missing is this healthy bridge between the two. And look, I know this wasn't perfectly analogous, trying to bridge the professional and personal worlds. But I do think that there are things sometimes in the professional world that can really mirror and show us what can improve in our personal lives as well. It's no easy task to look beyond the confines of our immediate circumstances for anybody. Our brains are hardwired to do the opposite. But what I've learned is being able to do that gives you the space to process situations appropriately. You need to be able to see clearly the world around you for what it is. You don't want to be stuck in your limbic system's dance of fight or flight. Give yourself the chance to be grounded and make good decisions for yourself in your work, for the people around you and those who depend on you. I encourage you to see this season of uncertainty. Well, <laughs> I guess calling 2020 a season of uncertainty is about the nicest thing I could possibly say while still keeping this PG-13. Uh, but however you want to call it this year, this season, I hope you see it as an opportunity to take pride in your own resiliency and to find gratitude for what is. And I think from that place, it's much easier to move forward into the tomorrow. Well, that about wraps it up for me today, guys. I really appreciate you listening. I hope you've enjoyed these early episodes that we've been testing out for the opportunity cost. Um, if you've listened to the pilot episode, you know that because of COVID-19 and social distancing, we're having to do it a little bit differently. So it's going to be less interviews for a while and me just trying to share some of the things that I've been working on. So I appreciate the feedback and I hope what I've been throwing out there has been helpful, useful, entertaining, engaging for you. So check out the website theopportunitycost.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have anything that you'd like to see me write about or talk about on here or any guest that you'd love to hear me speak with. If you want to find me on social media, all of my tags are Stephen K. Howell. I look forward to checking in with you next time. Take care, guys. <laughs>